Greetings to everyone. Uh, it's three o'clock. Uh, it's time for our uh, live broadcast from Doolins Grove Evan Christian Church uh, with a Bible study this afternoon coming from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, verses 12 to 18. Uh, as we come to 2 Corinthians, uh, Jeff Walsh shared yesterday in the first part of chapter 3, uh, just talking about, uh, as Paul shared, the boldness of speech in the, in the presence of Christ, the glory of the Lord living in our lives. Uh, so today we're coming to the second, uh, second part of here, verses 12 to 18. I want to read it to you from the New American Standard Bible first. It says, Therefore, having such a hope, we use great boldness in our speech, and are not like Moses who put a veil over his face so that the sons of Israel would not look intently at the end of what was fading away. But their minds were hardened, for until this very day at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because it is removed in Christ. But to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled faces, <clears throat> beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. I want to read that in New American Standard, um, because as I prepared for this, I looked in a lot of different standards, and it's amazing uh, how this text differs in various versions. And uh, I, I know the New American Standard is probably the uh, a strong literal translation uh, here. So I wanted to read it there. And I think it, it really speaks to the context of uh, this portion uh, and realizing that uh, here it's talking about what was under Moses and the change that takes place under Jesus Christ. So I think that's a, it's a powerful realization that we have. I want to uh, next read it to you from the, the message, which is a, a much more... Uh, a, a, not so much a translation as a um, interpretation of scripture uh, in, a, in a modern version. Um, and beginning here again with verse 12, uh, with that kind of hope to excite us, nothing holds us back. Unlike Moses, we have nothing to hide. Everything is out in the open with us. He wore a veil so the children of Israel would not notice that the glory was fading away, and they didn't and they didn't notice. They didn't notice it then, and they didn't notice it now. Don't notice that there is nothing left behind the veil. Even today, when the proclamation of that old bankrupt government are out, read out, they can't see through it. Only Christ can get rid of the veil, so they can see for themselves that there is nothing there. Whenever, though, whenever, though they turn to face the God as Moses did, God removes the veil, and they are face to face. They suddenly recognize that God is living in personal presence, not a piece of chiseled stone. And when God is personally present, a living spirit, that old constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete. We're freed of it, all of us, nothing between us and our God. Our face is shining with brightness of his face. And so we are transfigured much like the Messiah, our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. It's a comforting idea to me to, to think about uh, the ability we have in the relationship with Jesus Christ and what he did for us on Calvary, that this veil that uh, was, was, uh, was seen here is covering between us and God in the same way back in Moses' time, there was that, that separation, that we are actually uh, 
able to experience Christ in a very personal way. Uh, we talk about in Scripture that He came to live within our hearts and, and what that transformation means for us, that He's with us all the time. You know, I, I think about, you know, what we have in our, in our modern world today, uh, just, you know, ready-made uh, presence with us. In, in my travels, I have to use uh, um, GPS quite a bit, and, and it's very comforting to know whatever city I'm, I'm in, I can pull up on my phone, my GPS, and plug in a, an address, and you know, it'll give me step-by-step -step directions uh, in my life or in, in my drive. And uh, if by chance I, I make a wrong turn or whatever, uh, I love that term, recalculating, uh, that it, it flows out. And uh, seems like to me every time I make the wrong turn, it gets a little more angry uh, in the, the sound of that recalculating phrase. But, you know, it, it's, it's comforting in a city where you really don't know where you're going to have that. Uh, it's really scary. One time when I was in Chicago, all of a sudden I lost uh, my, uh, my signal and it, it went blank. And when you're in a city the size of Chicago and all of a sudden you don't know where you are and nobody's in the car with you and you're trying to make that transition, it really uh, can be scary. Uh, another thing that we have is a lot of us, a lot of people in their homes have these little boxes uh, they call Siri. And, uh, you know, we're able to ask Siri any question and they'll come up with an answer. Uh, my grandchildren will walk into the house sometimes and they'll say, Siri, tell a joke. And it'll splurt out a joke or whatever. But it's a little scary in that, excuse me. Uh, it's a little scary in that that um, you uh, uh, you get into uh, talking and it's always monitoring. Uh, my brother and I were in a um, conversation and um, all of a sudden uh, he said, watch this. And um, uh, he, he began talking about windows. Um, and he said, no, I'll open up my Facebook page. And he did. And all of a sudden there's advertisements for windows there. He wasn't talking to Siri, but Siri was monitoring that. You know, so those things are there. But we, the, the powerful thing for us is that in the relationship with Jesus Christ, he is always there. Uh, the veil never falls over and, and he's always present with us. And we need to remember that in our day to day walk. So as we come to this scripture, there's a, there's a powerful reminder of God's presence and the change that takes place in that relationship. Uh, as, as we come here to, to 2 Corinthians, we need to remember uh, Paul had written the first letter to the Corinthian church. And um, they were a, a, a major metropolitan area and a church that had some real problems. They're very gifted, but there were some real problems going on there. And, and Paul addressed those. He literally laid down the law in the, in the letter in 1 Corinthians, dealing with their division and their immorality and their sinful ways, their struggle over spiritual gifts. Uh, and he really, uh, he spoke to them very specifically. Here we've seen us in 2 Corinthians, it's a little softer letter, um, but the way they were, uh, in the in the first letter, they were really open uh, to false teachers coming in, and, and they suffered from that. They suffered from the results of that. Many false teachers who were with the people, and uh, they were relying on the Old Testament to contradict Paul and to lead the people down the wrong path, and they used it as proof text against that. So here in our scripture, we see Paul comparing uh, the Old Testament law with the New Covenant, how the New Covenant... Uh, and what God had done for us through Jesus on Calvary really provides for us freedom. And today I want to look at three things this new covenant gives to us in terms of freedom. 
the first one we see in verses 12 to 14 is it frees us from the old covenant. Uh, the, and the old covenant, we realize, uh, went, came back from Moses when the Israelite was in the Sinai and God gave to them the Ten Commandments. And uh, they had come out of Egypt. They were a, a people wandering in the wilderness. And, and God gave them these Ten Commandments. And they were called in this to um, uh, follow the Ten Commandments, to, to keep in a right relationship uh, with God. And they struggled with that from the very beginning. They had a real problem with, with doing that. Um, when, May, when Moses came down uh, from Mount Sinai and he's carrying the, the two tablets, uh, the scripture says that his face shone and it was evidence that he had been in the presence of God. This is a powerful testimony um, uh, for the people, uh, the Hebrew people, as they saw uh, Moses coming down. Um, but it, we're told that as they saw it, you know, it, 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 it caused them to be afraid. Uh, kind of a lot, a lot of times we see, talk about angels that uh, when somebody is in the presence of an angel, all of a sudden it's a very uh, holy thing and, and they're terribly afraid. Well, for Moses, as he's coming down, they see his face and they're afraid, but it was also evident that he had been in the presence of God. But we're told that almost immediately after he had come down, he put a veil over, over his face um, to hide because that glory that was there was was going to fade because as he was out of the presence of God, um, he was no longer reflecting that that uh, that glory that was happening there. Um, so he he took it down so the people didn't think that because that glory was fading, maybe God was not with them anymore, and, and there was a struggle that was happening there. So Paul, as he's taught, as he's sharing this. Uh, he's basically telling us that Moses' glowing face was a representation of this old covenant, um, that we would try to keep the law. And when we failed, uh, that relationship with God was severed. So it was, it was something that God had given to them uh, to give them direction, to give them guidance. And, and we realize as we look back through, through the uh, centuries that civilization, a lot was based on these 10 uh, commandments of God. You know, we see that interwoven in various parts of our culture in a very real sense. Um, so uh, this um, old covenant uh, was a, a way that they could keep in a right relationship with God. Now, why did it need to be replaced? Because because man man could not keep it fully. He constantly failed. Many of the laws that, that as, as we have, we, we fail. We see the law being broken uh, over and over in our culture. Uh, and uh, many times we kind of skirt that in a lot of ways. We do the same thing spiritually in this as well. Uh, James chapter 2, verses 10 and 11 says, For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. If you don't commit adultery but you commit murder, you're a breaker of the law. Uh, in Romans 3, 10 to 12, it says, There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away, they have become worthless, and there is no one who does good, not even one. You know, the reality is under the old covenant, um, where would we be right now? Uh, how many uh, watching this right now would be able to say, you know, I keep the law, like the rich young ruler. I keep every point of the law. Uh, I've never broken any point of the law. Uh, you know, reality is you, you probably just lied uh, because we don't. You know, we, we fail in that. Uh, we, we envy, we covet. Um, we have anger, 
Uh, you know, we do those things that, that are opposed to God. So we are struggling uh, with those things. So it's because of those struggles that the new covenant had to come. Um, and what, what makes the new covenant better? Well, a couple of really key things are primary in that, or huge in that. First, the new covenant, everything is totally relying upon God. When God cut the covenant all the way back to Abraham, when we see the, the relationship between God and Israel uh, made, it, we're told that that that, uh, that condition between Abraham and God, that uh, they would sever an animal. And typically the two men would pass through that together. But when God told Abraham the promises he gave to him, only God passed through that covenant. Now, what we see with Moses, with the law that was set up, God was giving man conditions. Uh, but God's covenant with us, with Jesus Christ, just like at the same time with Abraham, was the conditions was all what, what Jesus was going to do, what God was going to do in, in this new covenant. So it's totally relying upon God and what he does for our salvation. Now, there is no way we could have victory in our life in the Old Covenant. We would be constantly struggling. Uh, if you look back in the time of uh, the Hebrews of Israel, they were constantly doing sacrifices to pay for sin. They were the blood sacrifices, the scapegoat, the various things, because they were constantly in a state of sin. Today, we have the blood of Jesus Christ that we're able to call on to cover our sins uh, and to seek forgiveness in, in those ways. When Jesus came along, he did away with the old covenant by fulfilling it. He lived the perfect life. Um, and it's for giving us the opportunity to make a covenant with him in our lives uh, where he comes uh, to live with us. So the first freedom that uh, Paul is talking about here to the Corinthian people that the new covenant brings to us is that it frees us from the old covenant. It, it takes us out from underneath the law that we would have to follow perfectly to stay in a right, right relationship uh, with God. And in the new covenant, then we come under the grace of God where he does and provided the way of salvation for us in a very real sense. The second element that it frees us from is the veil. Now, remember in this, in the text that we're talking about, it says that Moses went up and he got the, the Ten Commandments and he came down and the, the light was shown on him and the veil was covering it. As we look in the scripture here, um, it, it talks about that same veil being for us, uh, a covering in our lives. It was a veil that showed the presence of God and recall the presence of God caused Moses' face to shine in a very real sense. Um, uh, well, Paul says that many people still were ignorant in this law. Um, the veil still covered. Uh, the reality is even uh, into the time of uh, writing of Paul, when the Old Covenant was read, when the Old Testament was read, when the laws of the Old Testament were read, people still couldn't see exactly what God wanted them to see because the veil still covered uh, because it was wrapped up in, in the law, in the covenant of the Old Covenant. Um, we, we see that even today. Uh, sometimes people uh, grow up in the church and they hear the message of Jesus Christ all their lives and it falls on deaf ears. They can't uh, hear the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. And, and the reality is it's a real struggle. First uh, Corinthians 2.14, earlier in the first letter, it says, the man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God for they're foolish to him because he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. 
the, the reality uh, that we see is unless the Holy Spirit touches the heart and lifts that veil uh, so that they can see that, uh, they can't see it. And you know, so even as, as we witness to people, I think a key component that we need to always realize is that we need to be praying that the Holy Spirit go before us and touch their heart and open it up to the, to the, to the message of the gospel, open their eyes to that. Um, you know, if, if you've ever uh, seen someone that, that has very, very poor vision and all of a sudden they're able to um, get glasses and can see or they go through surgery and, and their sight's restored um, and uh, they put those glasses on or they take the bandages off and they're able to see, you know, the, the, the power of that. Uh, I think of people that talk about uh, cataract surgery. Uh, they didn't even realize how blind they were. Uh, and then they have that surgery and all of a sudden they um, come out of the surgery and they talk about how bright the colors are and how beautiful it is in a, in a very real sense. Uh, probably the greatest illustration of this to me is if you've ever seen a, a baby that has a, a cochlear implant done and they hear their, their mother and father's voice for the first time. And you just see this light of, of light that comes over them. I think, I think that's what happens for us spiritually when the veil is removed. If you can remember back when you first received Jesus Christ as, as your personal Savior, the joy and happiness of all of a sudden realizing uh, that, that you were forgiven, that you had salvation, but that you also had a right relationship with him. You know, I remember back when I was nine years old and came to know Christ and, and just the joy coming up from that altar after praying the, the prayer of acceptance and, and just feeling the presence of God in my life that veil being removed in such a powerful way. Um, we need to come to that point. Everyone needs to come to that point that that veil might be removed in their lives. When you get to that point, uh, uh, the, the Holy Spirit will touch you and that veil will fall off and you will be able to see the message of the gospel, the love of God, the need for repentance and forgiveness of sins and the fact that Jesus Christ paid the price for that. We need to surrender that in our lives and talk to the Lord about removing that veil of our hearts in a very real sense. So we see that, that uh, what Paul's talking about is that first that we are freed from the, the old covenant. Uh, you know, and if you study much, you realize just how blessed we are to be under the new covenant in Jesus Christ. And that secondly, that the veil is removed, that we, that we see we have a relationship with Jesus Christ in a very, very real and personal sense. And it's a powerful thing. Now, the third element here is that, that we are um, freed from our hearts. Uh, we are given the heart of Jesus Christ in our lives. You know, we see that in the last verse, uh, in verse 18, but we all with unveiled faces beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Spirit, uh, from the Lord, the Spirit. We're uh, transformed in, in our hearts. We struggle with this because in a lot of ways, uh, you know, we want to trust our feelings. Um, uh, Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? So many of our songs and our thinking is, is that, you know, if, if uh, the heart is speaking, it must be okay. Debbie Boone did a song. I'm, I'm going to date myself right now, uh, going back to Pat Boone's daughter way, way, way back in, in our time. But she did a song uh, that's called I Light Up My Life. And it was one 
uh, verse or one uh, sentence in that song uh, that, that really struck me is, is uh, being wayward. It's a, it, it can't be wrong when it feels so right. Think about that a minute. It can't be wrong if it feels so right. Um, wow. Is that not a lie? The reality in so many facets of our life, uh, you know, um, I, I feel like I want to overeat or I feel like I want to speed or I feel like I, I want to do this. Or, you know, we see it in, in alcohol and drugs and so many things. If it feels so good, so right, uh, it, it must be, you know, but it isn't. And, and that's a struggle we have. We can't trust our hearts because our hearts are, are um, based in our selfishness. Uh, it's based in our, in our sin. Go all the way back to the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. And, and Satan played on that, uh, on that uh, selfishness that we wanted to be like God in our own lives. So we see here that, that we can't trust that. Before we can have real freedom in our lives, we must be transformed on the inside. Uh, you think back to Moses and his glowing face for a minute. Remember that that glow was only temporary in our lives. It eventually faded away. The sacrificial system during Moses' day, the people over and over having to go back and re-sacrifice to gain that right relationship with God again in their lives. Um, so that, you know, we see we, we are under a new covenant that the sacrifice is complete. In Romans chapter 8, verse 9, it tells us the Spirit of God takes residence in our lives of the people who follow Him. Um, but the reality for that presence to be there, uh, we, we first got to take ourselves off the throne. If you've ever looked at the, the Four Spiritual Laws booklet, uh, they have diagrams in there that kind of help people uh, picture this. And, and in one diagram, you see those that, uh, that don't know Christ, and on their uh, throne, there's uh, the E, the ego. They sit on the throne. And um, all the things around their life are centered around themselves. And, and God's not even in the picture. And then it talks about a carnal Christian that uh, knows of Christ and asks Christ to come into their life. And they're still on, the ego is still on the throne. And, and God's just a part of the, of the condition. But to really be spirit-filled, to really be led of Christ, uh, the third uh, picture there is the circle of their life and all these things are around that including their own ego but Jesus Christ is on the throne and he's taking ownership he's he's uh, taking control of their heart and they subject all things to them in a very real sense now that has to take place when we surrender that place to God and he frees us uh, from uh, controlling all the aspect of our lives. And he becomes the absolute. We're able to surrender and know that he's in control. Now, as we face the situation we're in right now, uh, I, I prayed at the very beginning, we've been given not a spirit of fear, uh, you know, but God's our confidence. He's our, he's our, uh, our way maker. He's, he's in control. So that we're able to know he sits on the throne, not only of our lives, but of the world that we live, of the universe. He is in control. And we can rest in that in a very real sense. Now, the powerful thing for me in this, uh, for me personally, is uh, I have to be careful because uh, my selfish old me, uh, uh, every morning I have to keep kicking my ego off that throne and putting Jesus Christ back on the throne. I have to constantly check myself 
to say Jesus is is on the throne, that, that I'm not leaning on my heart, I'm not leaning on my understanding. I'm constantly leaning on Jesus Christ in a very real, real way and putting him on that throne. And it's a battle that we have. We, we, um, we have to constantly face that and surrender to him uh, in our lives in a very real sense. So uh, we want to express that freedom by putting Christ on the throne and trusting him and constantly looking to his word. We must invite Christ to sit on that throne on a daily basis within ourselves. So this is a spiritual struggle that we have. But as, as uh, Paul is writing here to the church in Corinth, following up what, what Jeff was talking about yesterday and the boldness that he has because of the presence of Christ in my life. So we have that same boldness. Now, unlike under the old covenant, where it's a constantly checking and going to the temple and sacrificing lambs and, and doing the, the temple sacrifices and going through the priest, we have a high priest in Jesus Christ who has already paid the price for our sins. And those sins are covered. And all we have to do is claim that in our lives. And that forgiveness is assured. And not only that, he removes the veil so that we can see and experience that. And not only that, we have the promise that he dwells within us. He's in our heart. So on a day-to-day -day basis as we're out, we're, we're not dependent on our mind and our worldly thinking, but the word of God and the leadership of the Holy Spirit in a very real sense of our lives. That's a wonderful gift. And as Paul shares to the church here in Corinth and, and all that they have faced, that's what Paul doesn't want them to miss. And uh, we don't need to miss that today, and especially in this current situation that we're in.